0: This week's episode is sponsored by Spaces. Spaces is a new platform backed by 15 plus years of educator feedback designed to document the process and progress behind student learning in your classroom. Join the Spaces community to connect with educators across North America and gain access to free teacher-created resources, help educators who are just starting out on their journey, and learn new things from teachers who have been there before. So visit community.spacesedu.com today.
1: Uh, is this the teacher hotline?
0: Hello, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. I'm your host, Ronald Hay, and welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Hotline, where we try to answer some of the most pressing questions for teachers in and outside of the classroom. Today, our caller comes from Ryan from the Niagara District School Board. Ryan, how can we help you today?
2: Hey, Ron. One of my favorite episodes so far was the first episode when you had two of your former students on discussing qualities they were looking for in a teacher. With parent-teacher interviews around the corner, I was wondering if you had any parents at your school that could come on to talk about what they are looking for in a teacher. I think it would be super insightful given the time of
0: year. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ryan. You are absolutely correct. Parent-teacher interviews are right around the corner, and it can be a stressful time of year for students but also teachers. I remember as a new teacher sitting down for two hours to talk to parents gave me so much anxiety because I just imagined a lineup of parents just telling me how bad of a job I was doing in the classroom. But we need to remember and ground ourselves that parents and teachers, were all on the same team. We work together to help bring the best out of our students inside the classroom. So today to help teachers with some perspective is Steve and Jennifer Latimer, proud parents of four children, Abby, Blake, Jack. In Sadie Latimer. Abby and Blake both currently attend Western University. Abby is currently in her third year attending the Ivy Business School, while Blake is in his second year at Western University. Jack is currently in grade 11, and I had the pleasure of teaching him currently in my grade 11 accounting class. And finally, Sadie's just entering high school and starting her new journey in grade nine at Appleby College. Steve and Jen have a long-standing tie with Appleby College sending all four children through the school. And fun fact, Jennifer is also currently the vice president of the Appleby College Parents Association. Steve and Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you for having us. No problem. I feel like the Parent-teacher interviews were recorded and published. This is what it would sound like. So <laughs> a lot of fun having you guys here. Uh, this is going to be super great. Uh, I brought you guys on because I thought you two were the perfect parents to chat with, especially for this episode. Uh, you have four children, all at different stages in their education, uh, one starting high school, uh, another established in high school, and two who are midway through their post-secondary education. So today, we really just want to talk about, as parents, what do you guys look for in good teachers? Or what would you guys like in your children's teachers? So let's start off with starting off at junior kindergarten all the way through grade eight, right? If you can think all the way back when your children were that young, if you could think about it, you've come across a wide range of teachers over the years. As parents, who are some of your favorite teachers And why were they so awesome for your children?
1: Um, You know, I think looking back, our our children started off in the um, public school system. Uh, They did French immersion. So they had some great, amazing, amazing teachers. Um, Specifically, I would say K to five. They were just fantastic. We had uh, Mrs. Walton, Miss Mannering, Madame Wilson, Miss Perry. They were uh, just the most incredible Teachers And I, we were lucky, all four of our children were lucky enough to have each one of these teachers, you know, through their um, journey through elementary school. So it was it was amazing. They were just amazing.
0: Interesting. So French Immersion. So, Steve, how did that decision come as a family to send your children to French Immersion school there?
2: Thanks, Ron. You know, it's uh, as we looked at the education system for our children, we just believed in providing the greatest opportunity that we could. And when we we're given the option of pursuing French immersion or not French immersion, our thought was languages are very important. Uh, it's going to become more important as the world becomes more globalized. If that was a gift, we could give the children at an early age. It's just something we believed in as a family and practiced. And uh, we think it really worked out well for them uh, to learn a second language as part of their uh, you know, junior education. When the mind is open and ability to learn comes easier. So it's worked out quite well for us.
0: You're absolutely right. I, I've been trying to learn a little bit of Mandarin during the lockdown. And let me tell you, this 33-year-old brain is having a very hard <laughs> time to learn a language that I probably should have learned 30 years ago. So uh, probably a good call on your part as parents to send them to French immersion. Uh, Jennifer, you you talked about uh, a couple of teachers there. You listed a wide a bunch there. Uh, what made those teachers stand out? Was it a conversation? Was it something that those teachers did above and beyond? Was it just your children coming home, just talking about them? How do you still remember those names after all those years?
1: Um, I, I've always been involved. Um, You know, once we decided to have kids, I always tried to remain involved in schools. Um, So I, I was lucky in that respect. I got to know the teachers quite well. And, um, You could just really tell, especially at, at, you know, a young elementary age, which teachers just, just loved to teach. They just, it was their passion. It was what they were, you know, born to do and just kind, it wasn't about the money or the job or the union or the benefits They they just wanted to teach. And you could just see how late they stayed in their day, how early they came in, how much enthusiasm they put into everything they did. Um, Kind. I would say they were always kind, beyond kind, supportive, efficient. These teachers had a way of commanding all of the kids in the class, but treated them respectfully, even, you know, at a very, very young age. And, um, you know, I I just really say for an elementary teacher, they just really need to, to like little kids and have mountains of patience, because that's not a job, you know, a high school teacher versus an elementary teacher, like you need a different level of patience to teach three and four year olds, or to start teaching three and four year olds. Uh,
0: You are absolutely right, Jen. Uh, I think it's pretty public knowledge that at my school that uh, I'm not a fan of teaching middle school children, because you're right, it's it's a different skill set of teaching high school versus elementary school teachers, uh, or sorry, elementary school students. And you mentioned one thing that I want to circle back was you kind of notice and appreciate what those teachers do going above and beyond. And they absolutely love being around the children. And I remember when I did this episode with some former students at the elementary level, they admitted that that was something they couldn't appreciate at a young age, right? They were too young. And it wasn't until they got to high school or even university that they look back and say, oh yeah, you know what? My grade three teacher was pretty good. So Steve, in your opinion, what do you think makes a great elementary school teacher? If you could build a perfect teacher for your children, what would that look like? So I think one of the important elements that
2: I always look at to start is that you have to recognize that every child is different. And so we look at Abby and Blake and Jack and Sadie as a very small subset. And one of the things that you realize is they each have very different skill sets. They each have different uh, capacities to learn. They each have different interests in what they do and where they go. And this is from the same family. And so if you suddenly expand that to a more diverse population of people from different backgrounds and different languages and different cultures and different experiences and all the things that we, we cherish, I think the main item that comes out as I look at it for our kids and others is very simply, there is no one standard formulatic equation that fits all. And you kind of look at it and, you know, everything you look at, you could say, you could look at a recipe for grandma's cookies and sometimes you put them all together, but there's something special that's needed to really make it different. You look at great business leaders and you say, there's, is there a formula that applies to everything? The answer is no, everything really needs to be different. And so as I look at what are the key ingredients that we call that random variable that differentiates the great teachers from the average teachers? I think there's three things I'd put in there. Number one is you have to have that passion. You have to really love what you do, as Jennifer said, and be committed to it. And you need to move move forward. Number two is you need to listen and take that listening and make it into number three, which is you need to be, you need to nourish and you need to really understand what are the things that each student or each child brings that are special. And what we need to do is to build. We need to build confidence. We need to build an educational approach. We need to build their feeling that they're important and that they're special. And we need to avoid anything we do that's going to break them. And so it really is a tough combination because some of the best teachers we had were disciplined and they provided it. And the kids may have said at the time, they're tough. But at the end of the day, one of the reasons that they were tough was because they knew what each student needed to really help them go from being just good to being great and having that confidence that we think they have today that says, you know, we can go out and now pass this on to others as we see them go forward. So I think that really kind of would be the three elements that, uh, to me, really differentiate a good teacher from a great teacher.
0: You said something that really resonated with me. And I think Jennifer was also touching on this. And some of my former students touched on this as well. I kind of want to string it all together. You used the word passion. And it's really interesting to see that students and parents can see which teachers are so passionate about their job and they they love what they do and the ones that, you know, kind of just coast by and just do it to, to collect a paycheck. It, it's very, very obvious. And those are the teachers at the end of the day that really make an impact because they absolutely love their job. Um, so I, it's something that I just find really interesting that parents and students uh, notice, it's one of those things that's, that's hard to quantify, but you feel it and you see it. I want to talk about high school now. Uh, you got two children in high school. Your other two children have already graduated a couple years ago. So let's talk about some of your, your favorite high school teachers, some some teachers that have come and gone uh, that treated your children really, really well and the ones that have stuck out. Uh, I know, Jennifer, you're currently the, the vice uh, president at the Appleby College um, parents association. So you're, you're around all the time. Uh, who are the ones that have really connected with you, your family and your children?
1: You know, it's, it's hard, you know, when you, when you look at, you know, two kids already through and, and two more to go, you know, four, four kids and four sets of t-shirts teachers, it's hard to, uh, nail down, but there's a few that, you know, definitely stand out. Um, Mr. Patterson, uh, mm-hmm. Patterson, unbelievable human, uh, Dr. Kelly, uh, Abby Hammer for English. Um, Mr. Gamal, math teacher, Mr. Uh, VW, Mr. Van Wellingham, uh, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Hay, you'd, you know, you'd definitely be up for sure. <laughs> you know, Thank um, you. to be honest, I, I, I feel uh, it's almost difficult to, to go through the list. Cause I, I can look at the whole experience of the last, you know, six or seven years and yeah. Yeah. Um, to go through and, and, you know, pick them all out. There's so many, honestly, that I I think have had a huge impact on, on our children. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what they've done.
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of great teachers at Apple. I mean, I think that's what makes it a such a, a great place to work is you're surrounded by so many people that excel at what they do and are passionate to your point at what they do. So,
1: Okay. One more. Miss Jelinek. Miss Jelinek. Andy Jelinek. Oh my Three God.
0: Andy, Andy Jelinek is a beauty. I love Andy Jelinek. She is fantastic. Uh, she is like, I think the epitome of like a perfect model middle school teacher. Every uh, grade nine that has come through has always said Miss Jelinek was one of their favorite middle school teachers. Uh, great call. All those names have been fantastic. So looking at those names and perhaps some of the names that we couldn't have gotten a chance to to mention. Do you think that a good high school teacher is different than a good middle school teacher, Steve?
2: You know, I think that uh, there are there are a lot of commonalities that apply through there, and you know, the things that we've talked about the passion and being a good listener, and uh, you know, somebody who's going to be uh, nourishing and help people grow are absolutely uh, the key elements that we see from there. I think the, the added benefit that comes at this older age, though, is, you know, if you look at interactive environments that we have and that whole idea of going back to listen, that when you get to this age now, the teachers can now listen and really kind of put forward new challenges to the students that are going to take them. And so, you know, our kids got very involved in a number of items that took them out of their comfort zone. And I'm talking about things within the community that they did in different associations, you know, uh, in sporting events that they may try to do different things. I think that there were times that you can experiment with students at that higher age and really do, um, you know, things that are going to be an evolving or topical or something along that line and push them a little bit and you provide a great deal of support. But I think that's the difference when you get to this type of an age you can really now do almost a more bespoke, tailored process to different students. To say, I know you're really good at this, so let's nourish you and, and help you find the tools or the opportunities that will allow you to kind of go down there. So I think that's the biggest difference: is you can almost go from more of a, you know, a, uh, a standardized approach with little deviation on the sides for what you're going to do it, to a really, you know, every person that we see now is developed, they're starting to know what their skills are, and you can take them to the next level. So that's the biggest difference that I'd see between the two.
0: Yeah, you know, some of my favorite high school teachers weren't the ones necessarily that, you know, were the easiest or the funniest or, you know, the best public speakers, it was to your point, right, the ones that really nourished what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And those were the ones that I remember. And, you know, I've had teachers that kind of pulled me aside to have those one-on-one conversations. And those conversations stuck after all of these years, right? That You use that perfect word there, nourishment. Um, and I think that's a quality that, you know, some of the best teachers definitely have is they recognize, you know, it's not just about the curriculum all the time. It's about how do we, you know, bring you to the next level? How do we make you into this human being into the future? Uh, with parent-teacher interviews around the corner, though, um, I want to talk about delivering bad news to, to parents. I can't imagine this applying to your kids. Your kids, I, I know most of them, they've all been fantastic. I, I have never delivered bad news to you guys with, with Blake. Uh, Jack's been fantastic in my class this year so far. But if you can imagine a world where all your children were big troublemakers, they were always in detention, maybe plagiarism was a thing, maybe bullying. There's a lot of things that can happen in high schools that Teachers, there's a lot of anxiety delivering sometimes this news to parents that they might be hearing this for the very first time. So for teachers out there that are perhaps dealing with students that are having challenges right now in schools, is there such thing as a quote-unquote best way to deliver bad news to parents, especially with parent-teacher interviews around the corner? Jennifer?
1: You know, I would say that... um... I would hope as a parent, if there was, if there were a lot of issues going on, I would hope that the teacher wouldn't wait till parent teacher interviews. That would be my, you know, my, my take on it. Um, Our family and, and we've always said um, to any teacher that we've ever met or anything, you know, if there's anything like, please feel free to reach out to us. And I think, especially in high school, there are so many mistakes that can be made. Kids can make so many mistakes. They're just learning, you know, grade nine and 10, they're very young. Um, I look at it as a learning opportunity. So I, I would hope that a teacher would be very direct um, with us and and just lay it all out there because this is how we teach them how to, to uh, correct their mistakes or how to not continue to make mistakes. And I think the earlier you can correct it and address it, the faster, I think the faster you can change You know, the course. Hopefully you can change the course. So me as a parent, I would much rather get a phone call, an email, a, a whatever, like this is what's happened. Let's find a way um, that we can solve this. You know, I, I think I would look to the teacher probably just for the, on their part to just say, how can we help you get through this issue, trouble, whatever's going on?
0: All right. So, Jennifer, so what I'm hearing from you is just give it to me straight. Tell me early so we can kind of nip it in the butt. Don't wait till parent-teacher interviews. Don't beat around the bush. Uh, just, you know, just tell me what, tell me, tell it like it is.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to be sitting in the gymnasium with sixteen people behind me waiting to, talk <laughs> to go. Oh yeah, your son uh, plagiarized on the last <laughs> test. and be like, oh my gosh! Oh, this is
0: embarrassing. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. uh, Steve. What about you? Do you feel the same way? Do you, Would you rather receive bad news in a different way, or would you agree with your wife? Yeah,
2: look, I would absolutely fully agree with Jennifer, and and I'll just give you an analogy here. As I would say, you know just getting bad news is obviously something that nobody wants, but when you get it and then there's a productive plan to say, how do we take this behavior and how are we going to make it into something that we can build on or make productive or really kind of uh, channel the energies into different areas? Everybody has a different way of approaching things and doing things. And some of our greatest weaknesses end up becoming our best strengths, but we need to do it. And so one example I would give is, you know, I studied finance undergrad. I did a lot of finance uh, economics in high school. I was not a good writer, and as you kind of start to go through your business career and doing these types of things, writing properly and you know having full sentence and structure that makes sense and does it. And I had really good people that I worked with that mentored and trained and developed, and they didn't say to me in a bad way, "You can't write very well." You know, that's bad it was this is an area that to really help you be better in your career we're going to work on and they gave me the facilities they gave me the tools they gave me the opportunities to kind of work on that and it's helped me build my skill set to be better at what i do and i said that with everybody a pro hockey player they don't do everything right and what they do do is they work on their areas of weakness and they turn it into an area of strength and so i think as a parent teacher interview that would be my main thing is give the parents a productive path towards how do we make this into an opportunity going forward
0: now there are teachers that you mentioned steve earlier that are tough teachers tough classes right you got the classic classes like calculus or functions or any you know physics class those are typically just really challenging courses across all schools and you know, even if you think back to your own high school or university days, it's hard to love a class or a teacher, you know, if you're getting a 60 or a 70 when you have really high ambitions. So what advice do you have for teachers? How can teachers still maintain a positive relationship with their children and the students and uh, the families and have that respect when their children is, is not just necessarily doing well in that class.
1: You know, I I think it's it's a difficult role, you know, for a teacher. Um I think I'm just trying to think to my own kids. Um, you know, we uh we all different levels of, you know, um interest. And, you know, we we do have one of one of our children who who doesn't love math. So it's a struggle, but um I'm always up front with the teacher at the beginning of the year and say this is, you know, this is a this is a hard, difficult subject and I need to help support on this end and you need to help support on that end and at the end of the day it's not really about the mark Um, it's about how things transpire in the classroom and how that child feels supported by them and how we feel that the teacher can support them even if it's it's you know a low mark it doesn't it doesn't a low mark doesn't mean it's a bad teacher just how do we get this kid or child through this difficult subject because you know we're you know we have many years ahead of us on you know Probably a difficult subject, and it's all hands on deck, and we just keep and connect uh you know we connect and and touch base and share strategies to to help support the mental health of a child not who who's not doing as well as they want to do in a,
0: in a class yeah, I think one of the challenging parts of being especially a new teacher right out of school or maybe a year or two in is managing the different students, the different families. Because you're right, like, I, I love your answer there, right, Jennifer, right? You talked about, right, sometimes, especially early on, it's not necessarily about the grades. It's about the process. It's about the learning. It's about how do we, you know, get better. Um, whereas, you know, some of the students and even some of the families and the parents, you know, sometimes it's, it's just all about the grades. And that's hard to manage sometimes those conversations, and I could see where the anxiety for new teachers come from is, you know, you got one family like you guys so positive and let's make a plan. And and then the next parents come in. It's like, oh, my God, it's all about the grades. It could be very, very stressful, uh, especially in those gymnasiums that you guys have been in. Right. Uh, there's a lot <laughs> going on. It's like a zoo in there. <laughs> uh, so teachers out there that are brand new to this. Right. It's 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 a process. Uh, it's a definitely a process. It comes with experience. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I said earlier, um, we're all on the same team here. So. Speaking of teachers and all the teachers that you guys have experienced, university teachers, though, I think is a different beast, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm assuming that you guys probably don't have the same relationships or connections or... um, with Blake and Abby's university professors that you did perhaps with their high school or elementary school teachers. Am I correct?
1: Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we're kind of lucky at this point. Um, Abby, uh, when she was accepted to Western, she also toured Huron um, campus very late in the game, um, probably May. And she did a quick tour through there. wasn't really on her radar and then realized um, it was classes of 30 students or less. one-on-one connections with her teachers, professors, the president of Huron College, it's about, I'm going to get the number, but around 1,500 students. So Abby just kind of looked at this and said, this is a no-brainer. Like I'm I'm going here. I'm not going to go to Western where there's 26,000 students. So although we don't know her professors um, or their professor's they have this great relationship, this one-on-one where it's, um, you know, Richie who teaches them the biz course, um, uh, first name. This. Oh my
0: Richie. God, Richie, Richie Bloomfield. He's yeah, a good friend yeah. of mine. So
1: great
0: guy. So great I guy. think that
1: our children had, have also learned going through this process, how important that connection is with, with a teacher or professor. Um, Abby and Blake have both taken courses on main campus and, Within, you know, five or six weeks, they both both reported back that that was their least favorite class uh, in amongst 500 students. And they, you know, Abby, after the after first year, didn't do it again. And Blake did it this year for his first year on campus because of covid. And he just said, yeah, no, I have no interest in continuing that. Like, I will be, you know, taking all my classes out here on whatever he can. So. I think that they value that relationship, whether they have a great mark or not a great mark, that they have support. They have one-on-one direct connection with, with who's marking their tests, who's marking their essays and projects. And they they love that collaboration with the teacher.
0: Shout out to Business 1220 and the uh, Business Foundations course at uh, Western, Business 2257, <laughs> Uh, I used to work in that department, and let me tell you, they, that is a well-oiled machine. Uh, Richie Bloomfield, one of the best uh, veteran teacher over there. So I'm not surprised to hear some of that, uh, because yeah, they they do a very very good job with uh, you know just building those connections with students. Um, yeah, universities, because you know that's that's a rare story to hear, right? Because for the most part, the common story is yeah, you know, I, I could think back to my days and when I was in school, you know, you don't really have a, a connection with your University professor, and my, my question to you was originally going to be, you know, if there's no relationship, you know, as parents, what do you hope for? What do you what do you pay for then when you send your children to university? You know, is it just about their knowledge? Is it about their their degree? Uh, what do you hope for when you send your kids to university, Steve?
2: That is an absolutely great question, Ross. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and kind of bring this together a little bit too, and so. Education, Jennifer and I uh, always kind of say that there's really only two things we can ever give our kids. And that is unconditional love and a great education. And, you know, I was very fortunate um, in having a partner like Jennifer because, you know, I was away for a lot. I traveled a lot. And, you know, Jennifer literally single-handedly was involved in the kids' education and making sure they did everything. And so when I go back to the elementary and the relationship she had with the kids, with their teachers, with the learning environment, it gave them this great foundation that they had the confidence that when they got to high school, um, they weren't scared of mathematics. They weren't scared of languages or they weren't, you know, they said they kind of went with the confidence of it's going to be tough, but I know that I can accomplish it. They then kind of end up in high school where Jennifer's rhymed off, you know, a great array of teachers and these teachers, again, built their confidence they built their skill set to what they needed to do um you know and ron you know blake's taking um the two whatever it's called two five seven, 7 yeah. course now and he's kind of like you know i learned this in high school and now i'm just building on what i have and i think that's wonderful you know another shout out to dave zuconic mm-hmm. that you know dave takes you know real world and brings it into the classroom and he encourages discussion and it's not down the fairway stuff he's always had something and so they've learned now that to recognize diverse views. And so in my view, the university experience is a privilege. It's something that they are very fortunate to have. And what we hope that they take this four years out of them is that they can really now bring it all together and say, who am I as a person? What are the things that I'm good at? What are the things that I enjoy? And what do I really want to accomplish? And I'm not saying it from a career perspective, I'm saying it from a personal perspective. What are the things that matter to them that they want to do? And they now have this great tool set that they can kind of go out and pursue different avenues. And they could be teachers, they could do whatever, but they've, they've got this great foundation. They can build anything on because of where they are. So to me, that's what the university experience is really about.
0: Wow. That is a great answer. I think the only way to wrap that up is to ask both of you guys, parent-teacher interviews are around the corner for most schools. For teachers out there that are listening to this podcast, whether it's their first time doing interviews or the 30th time doing these interviews, as parents, can you tell the teachers that are listening, what is going through your mind as parents? What do you hope to achieve when you walk into these interviews in a couple of weeks? Uh, when these teachers are sitting there in the gymnasium or in the classroom, let's try to put some of these teachers mind at ease. Maybe let's start off with you, Jennifer.
1: Um, you know, I I actually always feel bad for teachers that have to do interviews in November after, you know, a, such a short flurry of back to school and then trying to get a mark in um, in November. And if maybe there's one assessment, it might not be a great mark or it might be a really highly inflated mark. I, 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 I feel I feel that it's a really difficult spot for you to be in. I think parent teacher interviews halfway through the year makes a a little bit more sense. You've, you've really got to know the child. Um, Me personally, I just love to meet teachers face to face or whether it's zoom to zoom, just check in, say, we're here, you know, keep us posted. You know, I hope you're enjoying your time. You know, if there's anything we need to know, I think it's hard to, you know, sit there and say, okay, we've done two and a half months. And these are all the, you know, 10 things I want to talk to you about. And I think it's just nice to just come in and just say, Hey, thank you. Thank you for all your hard work and, you know, keep us posted. Like, let's just have an ongoing dialogue throughout the year instead of just waiting for these two times to actually sit down together. Cause you know, it's, that's not, uh, it's not enough time probably.
0: I agree. Those 15 minute conversations can can fly by and there's so much to talk about, right? Especially when we're talking about your, your children here and your children's future education. So uh, you're absolutely right. Guys, I just want to say thank you so much for both your times. This is absolutely incredible and for your insight, uh, for your your wisdom, and your experience as as parents sending your children from all the way from middle school to high school to post-secondary school. uh, You guys are experienced parents who've who've done it all, and I think a lot of teachers out there who are listening today, uh, I think they can take a lot from this episode. So thank you so much. And, uh, I guess I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks, maybe for parent teacher interviews. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do this all over again.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much for, uh, everything you do.
0: No problem. Yeah, Ron,
2: thanks for being proactive and having us. We've, we appreciate it. And uh, we hope we've been able to f- provide some perspectives that are helpful to others as they, uh, they listen.
0: Absolutely. Thank you guys so much again. And thank you to all our listeners out there for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for future episodes. And of course, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Google, and any other podcast streaming services. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next Monday. Take care. Woo!